What's good everyone and welcome to the season 1 finale of Kaya's Commentary, where I give my commentary on pop culture topics, real world issues, anything in between, and maybe even some advice every now and then. Before we get down to it, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at kaya.r.pennington, and you can follow Kaya's Commentary on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Kaya's Commentary. Also, be sure to hit the follow slash subscribe button, and if you're on YouTube, click the notification bell so you get notified when new videos drop. Also, if I sound a little off, it's because allergies are kicking my butt right now, but as I said, this is the season one finale, so I was not going to miss a week, so ignore it, okay? If you hear it, ignore it. <laughs> and with that, let's kick it into our first segment, What's Trending, where I give my commentary on something I've seen trending. So recently, Jennifer Aniston made some comments about friends and how basically people find friends offensive in today's society and how you can't do that kind of stuff anymore and this is no shade to Jennifer Aniston or even to the friends fan base personally I don't care about insulting them but like no shade okay um and yes I've talked about this before on the internet but it, it really drives me so actually this is a what's trending slash what drives me because it drives me when people are like, oh, people are so sensitive in today's society. You can't get away with half those jokes. Oh, you can't tell those jokes anymore. And it's like, why? Why can you not tell those jokes anymore? Quickly, tell me why. Without calling people uh, sensitive, tell me why. Because often it's the case, people of today are still laughing at those jokes. Not just people who are like, oh, that's my childhood, so I'm going to laugh um, and defend it. No, people of today are still laughing. You know why they're still laughing at these jokes? Because they're taking them at face value. Now, yes, there are people who need to learn to take things at face value. You will have people who be like, that's so insensitive. That joke was not funny then, and it's not funny now, and you shouldn't be joking about it. It's just so horrible of them. Let's quote unquote cancel them for that joke that they made in the past. Yes, there are people like that who need to learn to take stuff at face value. But for the most part, for the most part, people in today's society do take stuff at face value. They acknowledge that maybe that joke wouldn't work today because it is a little, mm, it's a little side eye. But in the context of whatever media it is that was the early 2000s or 90s or whatever, I'm just going to laugh it off. There's nothing I can do about it. It happened. You live and you learn. Laugh and let it be, right? Here's food for thought. Here is food for thought. If you are in a room full of people and you tell a joke and no one laughs, maybe they're not the problem. Maybe you're the problem. Maybe you're just not funny. Food for thought. You have people talking about, oh, you're so sensitive nowadays. And it's like, no, you're, you're just not funny. You don't know what funny is. It's not you. It's clearly not you. Here's the thing. I, it's just, I can't even begin to describe it. I'm sorry, y'all. Like, I lost my train of thought. But honestly, people aren't sensitive for the most part. You're just not funny. Because your jokes are... Um, under the guise of dark humor, but then it's really just racist, homophobic, sexist, misogynistic, all that stuff. And so when people don't laugh, you're like, you're just so sensitive. And it's like, no, it just wasn't funny. There's a way to do that stuff. You can still do race jokes. You can still do um, jokes about women, jokes about LGBTQ plus people in a certain way. Now, sure, back in the day, you might have just been able to say it and people laugh, but I'm, I'm sure most of that laughter was uncomfortable laughter anyway. Um, today, you have to craft it a certain way, and you don't have the skill to craft it. So that's something you're lacking. That's that's a fault on you, not them. And honestly, break down the joke. Break down the joke and tell me why it's funny. Well, if you do that, it's not funny anymore. So, break it down and tell me why you thought it was funny. And if all of your points are just offensive stuff... It's not funny. See, with these past jokes, you can break it down and find a some type of humor in it, at the least. But with your joke, was just offensive, that there's no humor in it, it's just offensive, and you just wanted to get away with it because you're a racist, homophobic, misogynistic butthole. Like, break down the joke. Tell me why it's funny. It's not funny. You're not funny. 
you don't have the skill to craft that kind of stuff. And it just, it, it's mad aggravating to see people like old clips of my wife and kids or rush hour or whatever. And you be pe- you have people saying, you can't make these kind of jokes today. This was so get canceled today. Tell me why, quickly. Without calling somebody sensitive, tell me why it would get canceled. Why? Everybody in this comment section is like around your age. You're not people who grew up with it or they are people who grew up with it, but you also have people who didn't grow up with it and they're still laughing at it. Quickly tell me why it wouldn't work today. Quickly. You just wanted to say, you just wanted to call people sensitive because you can't get away with telling offensive jokes. Like, again, this is no shade to Friends or to Jennifer Aniston, but I do want to quickly say when people criticize Friends, a lot of the times people just think it's an unfunny uh, whitewash version of Living Single, which fair because fair. Now, yes, there are people in today's society who like Friends. I know some people who like Friends, but for the most part, a lot of people think it's an unfunnier version of living single. That's where that criticism comes from. Not because it's offensive. Sure, you'll have people talking about how you put Monica in a fat suit or some other offensive, whatever, 90s jokes. But, like, those are people who don't know how to take stuff at face value. Or they do take stuff at face value and are just making a point, right? I'm sorry. It's just... It, it drives me when people are like, oh, you can't do that kind of stuff today. Yeah, you can. Gone with the Wind is still up on HBO Max. It just has a disclaimer. I'm sure you can still find um, Blazing Saddle somewhere. Uh, actually, I think they show it often on TV. <laughs> now, yes, that's an edited version, but still. Um, Songs of the South, I'm betting you can find somewhere. Like, maybe not on Disney+, Plus, but somewhere, like... This stuff is still being produced today. It's just, it's a different craft and you don't have the skill for that kind of craft. If you tell a joke in a room full of people and no one laughs, they're not sensitive. They're not the problem. Maybe you're the problem. Maybe you're just unfunny. Food for thought. And with that, let's kick it into our next segment, book aggravations. Yes, hopping from one aggravation to the next. Where I give my commentary on something that a book does that just aggravates me. So I am subscribed to this um, book site where you pick out your favorite genres and it will generate the best results based on that genre. Sounds pretty cool, right? For the most time it is. I've found a lot of great books using this site. However, as of late, like the past six months, so back way back into 2022, I've been getting a specific type of genre or trope rather that I just don't like because that's the downside of this site. Um, Though I love it, you can't get really specific with your genres. So you can be like young young adult drama, um, young adult romance or whatever, what have you. Um, Adult drama, I keep saying drama, adult romance, paranormal romance, but you can't get much more specific than that right like you can't say vampire paranormal or rivals to lovers um adult romance like it's just basic generic genres and then from there like broad genres and then from there it picks as of late i've been getting these three genres that really drive me and honestly it's mostly going to be the first one i'm talking about but um the older dad's best friend messing with the young daughter, legal but young daughter, or the way older brother best friend messing with the legal but young daughter, and the step-sibling trope. These are all categorized as um, adult romances or romances of some type, and it disgusts me. It's an aggravation for me because... Often is the case, because people don't seem to think there's anything wrong with this genre, this this trope. Often is the case, they'll have a line in there that's like, oh, I remember when you were a little tight, but the woman you've grown into now. So you watched her. You watched her grow up from a child into an adult. That's peak predator, my guy. Like, you shouldn't feel any kind of sexual romantic vibes with her you should most certainly feel surrogate dad vibes or surrogate uncle vibes not 
I want to have my way with that vibes. Uh, vice versa to the way older brother and I'm a brother's best friend and I'm not talking about like a year or two I mean like 10 years like I don't 10 to 20 when when she when you were 20 she was 10 she was a newborn I don't know and then they'll be like yeah I remember when you were just an annoying little sister and now the woman you've become again you should feel nothing but surrogate brother feelings towards this person that's gross or a step-sibling. I really shouldn't have to explain why that one is gross. Especially, especially if you've grown up like siblings from childhood to adulthood. I really should not have to explain why that one is gross. And, you know, often as a case um, on the internet, I'll be like, not to kink shame, not to yada shame, because we wouldn't, we shouldn't be shaming, but screw that, I'm shaming, you're disgusting, these tropes need to die, they aggravate the ever-loving crap out of me. And the fact that I'm being recommended these books, it's like, I love my site, I really do, but it's like, stop, I don't want to see these books, and I can't specify it any more than what it's already down to, because these are classified as adult romances, or whatever, whatever type of romance, right, and it's like, this is not romance, this is peak predator, you should not be, and I don't, I don't know why people don't see anything wrong with that because when you put that sentence in there I remember when you were a little yada 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 and now the woman you've grown into to be clear it's perfectly natural for a younger uh girl to have a crush on an older guy or even vice versa a young guy to have a crush on an older woman but actually acting that out no just because you're legal and I'm talking these people be 18 to 20 type legal like Y'all are mad weird. Kill this trope. Kill this trope. It's perfectly natural to have your crushes, but to actually act it out, you're a victim. SVU music starts playing because you're a victim. I hate this trope, and I hate that I'm being recommended it so much. Honestly, I am really in need of a good paranormal enemies to lovers right now. Um, and this is just what I'm coming with. I'm, I'm, I'm just... I'm being hit with, oh, the dad's best friend is really watched how the, the young protagonist has grown into a young woman, vice versa, the brother, best friend to the, um, sister or step siblings or the surprise pregnancy trope, which as I've said, I really hate that trope. Like I kill these tropes with fire drown them, electrocute them, stab them to death, hit them with a bus, I don't care, stop recommending me these tropes, let them die. People who write these tropes, y'all mad weird, I said it. Normally I try not to shame, because honestly, honestly, I've read some books that I could be shamed on, not completely out there, but I've read some books that, that could be criticized, and I've actually liked them, but like, for the most part, Y'all mad weird, and I hate these tropes, and y'all and these tropes disgust me. Mad aggravation vibes. Stop, please. Don't ever recommend me these kind of books. Immediate turn off. And with that, let's kick it into our next segment, What's on TV, where I give my commentary on a TV show I've seen. Today's show, BBC's Merlin. Yes, I've also talked about this on the internet before, but as I was re-watching it, I decided I wanted to talk about it again, so let's get into it. So this follows a young Merlin, a young Arthur, Guinevere, Morgana, Morgos, well, not really Morgos, but I'll get into that. Um, the Knights of the Round Table who are partially in Camelot and partially not. I'll get into that. Um, so here's how it goes. Merlin comes to Camelot. He is not a resident of Camelot. He is sent to Camelot by his mother and he's sent to live with Gaius, the court physician, who apparently is Merlin's uncle. Um, I've rewatched this show so many times and never really realized that that was his uncle. And as I was rewatching it for the purpose of reviewing it, I was like, why did she send him to Gaius? Because he's Gaius's nephew. Yeah, at least according to wiki fandom anyway. Um, Gaius is, and I, I only say that because I only say that it took me by surprise because after the initial watching of this show, which was years ago, 
Um, whenever I'm in the mood to watch this show, I often just skip around to the episodes that I'm in mood of watching. So as I was rewatching this for the purpose of recording, I was like, randomly you sent him to somebody in Camelot. Why? That's his uncle. So he, uh, Merlin is sent to live with Gaius to train. Merlin has magic. He was born with it. He gets to Camelot and we see an execution of somebody who has magic. Uther, the tyrant king who does not tolerate magic at all, is executing somebody who was just innocently using magic, right? And so the boy's mother is like, I will have my revenge. So what happens is that, well, I'll get to that in a minute. So, Merlin is like, dang, that's, that's crazy. I'm in danger here. He finds Gaius and he saves Gaius from falling from like a shelf or whatever. And so, Gaius helps him with his magic, but he's also like, yo, we gotta keep it on a Lolo because Uther, he strike crazy about magic, which we find out later, which I'll say later when I do character analysis. So we also see Morgana. Morgana is Uther's ward and she does not like the way Uther treats people with magic. She's like, why are you executing him? He did nothing wrong. And so Uther is holding a feast later tonight and she's like, I don't want to go to this feast. You just executed somebody. You saw their their grieving mother uh, yell revenge at you. And you talking about going to some feast? Get the get out of here. And he's like, you gonna do what I say. You gonna do what I say. So... We see that Merlin meets Arthur along the way, and at the beginning of the show, Arthur is a prat, as Merlin calls him. He's a bully, and so Merlin tries to stand up for one of Arthur's servants. Arthur's treating his servant like crap, and Merlin's like, yo, enough, my bad, like, just let him be. And so this results in Arthur and Merlin getting in a semi-fight, and Merlin takes a swing at Arthur, and then Arthur's like, ha ha you swung on the Prince of Camelot. Now we're going to put you in the stocks. I don't know if that's what it's called, where they put you, where they lock you in the head and the arm thing and let people throw fruit at you. They lock him there. And it's here we meet Guinevere, Gwen. And she's like, I'm Gwen. Um, it's a courage to do what you just did. That was a little stupid, but you know, it's a courage to do that. Everyone thinks that you had courage. Arthur's a bully. He's horrible. Um, it was really cool of you. So they kind of have a little crush thing going on. It's insinuated at the very least. Uh, Merlin and Gwen. But it quickly dies out. Um, Gwen is Morgana's servant. Her maid. And so we get to the feast. And um, Merlin has a little flirtatious look at Morgana. Everyone does. Including Arthur. Even though... They've been raised as siblings, which we later find out that they are actual half-siblings. But uh, earlier on in the seasons, before we find that out, it's a little flirtatious. And it's like, even before you find out they're real siblings, it's the step-sibling trope. And it's like, that's mad weird. They don't ever do anything, but it's insinuated. And it's like, stop. Um, so we get to the feast. And the mother who swore her revenge, she's also a sorceress. So she does a spell to shapeshift into the opera singer that was supposed to be performing at the festival at the feast and so she puts everyone to sleep in the um dinner hall and she's intending to kill arthur but merlin doesn't take to the magic his magic is stronger and so he saves arthur and everyone in there and uther's like you saved arthur you saved us let me give you a reward i shall now make you arthur's servant some reward and then that's episode one. Um, so this series got five seasons, 13 episodes each season. Um, I'm not going to say it got more seasons than it deserved. I think it got its full run and I'm satisfied with the seasons and the episodes that it got. So let's get into character analysis. Let's start with Merlin. Merlin is this bubbling idiot as they call him throughout the show. And that's true. He's a clumsy oath but it's really kind of for show i mean he is clumsy but it's also kind of for show just as a way to hide his magic he becomes arthur's servant and it's his destiny to protect arthur they're they're um the two sides of the same coin right so we see him go from 
a boy to a young man and actually so you have the theme intro and then you have the intro before that which is like in a land of myth and a time of magic the destiny of a great kingdom rests on the shoulders of a young boy and then by season four to season five it goes from young boy to a young man and it's just like right in the feels it's right in the feels so we see him um go from a young boy to a young man I don't really think I have any issues or ticks with um Merlin I think he was played excellently um my if I had to say something it would be I wish that they gave him a love interest or just something outside of Arthur because yes there are two sides of the same coin yes he's destined to help Arthur but it's also like can he have a life and they do make a point of that of his to show his frustration that he can hardly have a life outside of Arthur um but it's like can he have a life outside of Arthur uh completely outside of Arthur now this fan base is so freaking toxic um and a lot of people ship Arthur and Merlin together and so that's part of the reason they're so toxic because if you disagree with that you're an automatic homophobe so I don't know if I talked about this in my world of shipping rant, but I wholeheartedly disagree with the shipping of Arthur and Merlin. Not on some uh, homophobic mess, but just because they are not compatible to me. Um, by the end of the show, we see that Arthur and Merlin do have a deeper bond than when the show started, and that's their thing. But also, Arthur is still very much abusive to Merlin mentally and physically, and that's their thing that's their thing they do have their moments and you can see that they care for one another in a friendly way but like he's very and it's honestly most times hard to see arthur and merlin as friends to me so let alone shipping them in a romantic light and so i, I just i don't agree with that have merlin have somebody outside of arthur and again, just specifically because the fan base is so toxic, I don't ship Merlin and Arthur. But also because they're just not compatible to me. Um, so that's my thing at Merlin, if I had to have a tick at him. Um, but for the most part, I liked how he was played. I liked um, the growth that he has from a... Um, clumsy young man who clumsy young boy who's like I don't this I can't this this is not my destiny I hate that this is my destiny to a young man who's like this is my destiny that's what I'm that it is what it is do the best I can so let's kick it into Arthur Arthur is also uh very much a young boy at the start of the show and then like a young man at the end of it He's a spoiled brat, and he quickly gets humbled by Gwen in season two, and this is where they start their love affair. Um, so Arthur has big words about being treated like everyone else. He's in a jousting tournament, and one of the knights pulls out, even though they could have hit him, and the knight is like, yo, you Prince Arthur, why would I hit you? And so he's like, y'all been letting me win, and now I gotta prove that I can do this on my own, on merit, not on, uh my name so he goes undercover but he's staying at Gwen's house and he treats her like a servant and then Gwen has to snap on him she's like yo you say you titles don't matter but then you behave like a prince you come into my house you treat me like a servant saying it means nothing if your actions betray you say please and thank you once in a while cut it out this humbles him he's like you right you right and it don't humble him it doesn't humble him like throughout the entire show but as far as like how he treats her and uh, other servants, we see it has an impact on him. And this is where they start their love affair, which I'll get to when I talk about Gwen's character. Um, that we, we quickly see that he still has his issues, like with Merlin. That's just their thing for them, for him to treat him in such a way. That's, that's just his thing. That's, that's their thing. Um, but he's very different from Uther. Uther is a tyrant who does not trust magic. And Arthur is questioning why magic is bad. Um, he questions how harsh his father can be. But he knows not to question him in public about it. But you can tell he wants to do things very differently than the way Uther does them. If I had a take at Arthur, 
it would be his treatment of Merlin. I'm sorry. I know that's their thing, but it, it could have gotten better. It could have it could have gotten much better than it had gotten. It did get better, but it could have gotten much better as a way of showing um he's evolved. And yes, the treatment does get better and so in that on in that regard it does you do see it get better, but also it could have gotten much better. Also, um I'm going to get to this more when I talk about Gwen, but we needed more um, Gwen and Arthur moments. The moments that they had were cute, but it was underdeveloped. And it should have been way more developed. So that's my ticket him. Uh, let's go to Uther. Horrible man. Hated him. Which means the actor did what he was supposed to do. Um, I can't stand when people attack an actor that played a villain because they hate the villain. If you hate the villain, the actor did what they were supposed to do. Um... So Uther, once upon a time, Camelot was this magical place, right? And so you had dragons, you had dragon lords, people who summoned dragons, you had sorcerers. And so Uther and the queen were having trouble having a baby. So they went to a sorcerer with the help of Gaius because Gaius practices, practiced magic as well. And so she's like, I will help you have a baby, but it's going to be a imbalance on the universe so something has to be balanced so something has to give right in order to give something has to you know so Uther is born and the queen dies and so Uther uh, he gains this hateful obsession with killing all magic he tracks down all the dragons and kills all the dragons except Kiliard I can't know I don't know how to pronounce his name but he's the dragon that helps Merlin Gaius helps Merlin and the dragon helps Merlin. So he has imprisoned the dragon under some tunnels way below Camelot. And so the dragon often summons Merlin and Merlin often summons the dragon when he needs help. And so the dragon is like, I will help you, young warlock, but eventually one day you have to free me from these bonds. And Merlin is like, cool, got you, no problem. Um... The dragon lords, he kills all of them. Uh, Gaius manages to get Merlin's father, who's a dragon lord, away. But he kills all the dragon lords, all the sorcerers, people who have magic, he kills them. The only reason that Gaius is still kicking it is because he fanged um, hatred as well. He, he acted like he agreed with Uther destroying everything that had anything to do with the magic. Which is my tick at... Uh, Gaius, but I'll get to him in a minute. Um, to finish out on Uther, I was just waiting for him to die. Like, there's a there's an episode where uh, the sorceress who helped impregnate the queen is like, he used sorcery to get you birth, and now he hates magic. He used magic, and now he hates magic because the queen is that she poisoned Arthur against Uther. Merlin talked him down, and I know he had to talk him down, but also I was like, dang it, Merlin, let this man kill him, because, like, I was so ready for Uther to go. Like, I was, he didn't leave until, like, middle season four, maybe? But I was so, I was ready for Uther to go. No qualms about him. He was playing excellently. Truly hated his character. Was ready for him to go. Gaius, the court physician. So, he helps Merlin. He's like a father figure to Merlin. I respect Gaius. I liked how he was played. He's very knowledgeable. But also, I kind of have a little tick at him. Because it's like, you did what you had to do to survive. But also, you watched your fellow sorcerers, sorcerers, magic people get exiled get high key genocide on for what he helped get Morgosa away too um which is morgana's half sister so she's magical but it's like i don't know you iffy you iffy and i did have a question about um uther and the dragon's relationship because while i was rewatching it i was like does he know that Merlin talks to the dragon? Because I don't think they ever really, like, engage. Like, he knows of the dragon. The dragon knows of him. And Gaius knows that Merlin goes to other places to get 
answers when he can't help him, but I figured he thought he got him from books. Apparently, he does know that the dragon was down there and is like, because he helped capture him, right? But did he know that Merlin was talking to the dragon? I'm still confused on that. I still don't rightfully fully know the answer to that. I know they have disdain for each other. Um, Gaius, for the most part, seems to be indifferent. He, you know, be wary of dragons a little bit because, you know, they get mad. No one holds a grudge like a dragon, which is true because when Merlin frees the dragon, he goes on a rampage and starts, like, blazing up the place. And so um, this leads Merlin to coming into his dragon lord abilities and he's like yo i freed you we cool and all but you gotta go and if you ever come back to camelot and do this mess again i will kill you straight up annihilate so they know of each other and Gaius seems to be a little indifferent and the dragon is like guy sucks so i don't know i don't know i'm still wary of that um but that's my pick at Gaius, but for the most part, we rock with him. We like him. Uh, Morgana. So, Morgana is a difficult character. Um, she hates how Uther treats anyone who's not royalty or anyone who has magic. Um, in an episode where she and Gwen get taken hostage by bandits, but Gwen gives herself up so that Morgana can run off, um, Morgana goes back to Camelot and she's like, we gotta go get her. And Uther is like, it will take a small army. She knew what she was doing. She will be honored. It's all good. You can get another maid. And so Morgana goes off. She's like, I don't want another maid. She is my friend. I don't want her honored. I want her found. She goes to Arthur. She's like, I knew you were many things, but a gutless, heartless coward. I didn't know you were that. Like she is talking mad stuff, right? Which is important when I bring, when I talk about her, her in the later seasons. It's important. But she talking mad stuff. Uther um, killed Gwen's dad because he was suspected of sorcery, which was not true. And Morgana was plotting to assassinate him. Um, they have another disagreement. And I don't know if it's about Uther's um, killing of Gwen's dad. But Uther is like, Morgana, go to your room. You will go to your room. You will stop talking to me all kinds of crazy and go to your room. And Morgana is like, and you, Uther, will go to hell. And it's like, she dislikes this the way he treats people right who are quote-unquote beneath them right she has her problems with that and then um we get to around season two season three and she fears that she has magic and then she finds out that she does have magic when her ghost tells her she has magic and that they're sisters um and so she is scared of it because she can't control it and even the dragon is like merlin don't help her with this she is destined to be your enemy don't help her whether he created that enemy by not helping her um is up to debate but or if it was her fate her destiny but she fears it and then in the later half around season three um she aligns herself with morgos morgos is like if we take out uther no more tyrant to kill sorcerers so morgana is like bit so she doesn't really know that she did something morgana put morgos puts a spell on her and so everyone starts falling asleep around her and then uh, morgos's army is gonna come in and kill everybody right and so uh, merlin figures it out and he poisons morgana now this is hard on him because morgana was his friend right and so she, Morgos comes in and saves her and then like, not kidnaps her, but Uther thinks she's been kidnapped. She comes back a year later and she's like, oh no, it's all cool. Don't worry about it. You did what you had to do, Merlin. Don't worry about it. We're all good. And then we find out that she's working for, she's working with Morgos and she's like, yeah, we're going to kill the king. We're going to take him out. And so then we find out that Morgana is Uther's half daughter which means she has a claim to the throne which means she's past trying to kill just uther she got to take arthur out too and so she does get the throne around season four but then she quickly loses it for like a week she gets it for a week then quickly loses it and then the rest of her character arc is built up on her trying to get the throne and her failing so on one hand you have 
um, it is, it's written well and that we see how she let her hatred turn her into Uther. She's trying to kill everybody who doesn't have magic or rather the people in the castle who don't have magic and, and, and assume the throne, right? So it's well crafted, but at the same time, it's a little aggravating. And I will say this, there are moments when she has the um, throne and when she is in evil mode that it's like, dang, okay, I see you, get it. But for the most part, it's aggravating. You have a lot of, I don't want to say a particular type of woman, but you have a lot of particular type of women boasting her character up as some boss bitch, right? Some, some a uh, girl boss. Ah, yeah, take power. Yes, female rage. And it's like, no. And they do the same thing with Catherine from the Vampire Diaries. People praise Catherine as like this person who, ah, uh, she, she took charge of her uh, life when it's like, she's been obsessed with the Saboteur brothers for as long as they've been obsessed with her. She is not some boss chick. She's annoying. And it's the same with Morgana, right? Like, it's often annoying to see her do the same thing over and over. That's what her character became. On one hand, it's well written in that we see the 180, but on the other hand, it's like, whew, I am so tired of it. So tired of it. Honestly, for me, it would have been better if they kept it at her trying to kill Uther and then, like, go to Arthur and was like, hey, you're king now. What you gonna do about magic? And try to persuade him to let magic rule, and then if it doesn't work, take over the throne anyway but like finding out that she's his half daughter and then she has a claim to the throne it's it was aggravating because it's just all these armies and all these people that she has helping her it's like yeah Camelot's supposed to be the most powerful uh kingdom but it's like go build up another kingdom and then attack Camelot right like which she kind of did but for the most part it was like it was mad aggravating like it was it was it was tiring to watch. I honestly prefer Good Morgana because Good Morgana had more of a character arc than Evil Morgana. So that's my take at her. Um, I will say this. Ironically enough, I could see if we had to, I could see a romantic relationship between uh, Morgana and Gwen way before I could see one between Arthur and Merlin simply because Morgana and Gwen had that kind of relationship. As far as, like, platonic niceties that could go into a romantic whatever field. Whereas Arthur and Merlin is... Just, uh, so, if we had to, I could see that. But that's something else entirely. Um, so, Gwen. I love Gwen. <laughs> I love Gwen. And I'm not even gonna lie. Partially because she's a black woman. And at the time, this was the first time I saw a black woman be Guinevere or in a fantasy show. One of the first times, right? So, I ain't gonna hold you. Yeah, partially, yeah. But also, I like her character build-up, her character arc. Um, I do think she was underdeveloped, um, especially in the later seasons when she becomes queen. We see that she has a great head for ruling and for making decisions and calling people on their BS. Um, but also, she became queen and really somewhat became a side character and then her whole romance with Arthur which was great but it could have been so much more developed these people are supposed to be in a forbidden romance show me the forbidden romance we got hints of it little crumbs of it we could have got way more of it and I think part of the reason not fully but part of the reason people ship Arthur and Merlin so much is because um Gwen and Arthur were so underdeveloped and they should have been way more developed, especially if you're selling me this, she's the once and future queen to his once and, fu once and future king, right? Way more developed. Um, I will say, when she starts working with Morgana, because Morgana works her magic on her in, like, season five, it was interesting to see an evil Gwen. It really was. But also, we prefer a good-hearted Gwen. We just need her to have more lines mm -hmm, and be a full, well-rounded character. Mm -hmm. And she was played great. But uh, it's just, could have been better. It could have been better. Also, this is things that I've noticed. I could be wrong. But whenever they were doing Arthur and Gwen scenes, especially when she became queen. Um, now, she's already a light-skinned character, a light-skinned actress. But it seemed like they lightened her up all the more. They killed off her 
light-skinned dad but still visibly black dad they killed off her darker skinned brother which i hated when they killed El killed elian i hated that um her hair which was already loose curls got looser and longer it's like it's like they made the decision to go with a black actress and an interracial couple but then they didn't and this show was like from 2007 to 2012 so at that time it i think it really kind of was weird rare to see a black and white interracial couple um on tv and on media as opposed to now when that's all we ever see right it's like they made the decision but they didn't and so that's like a tick for the whole show actually um it could be more consistent and it could be more developed and what i mean by consistency I know that it was done for the purpose of we the audience see how Morgana is going dark but no one else around her sees. More people should have seen. When Uther um, sentences Gwen to uh, fire on the pike to death by burning, right? Arthur loses his mind. He at some point should have turned to Morgana and been like, why aren't you losing your mind? Because this is supposed to be a year later after she and Gwen get kidnapped by, band kidnapped by bandits um, to her working with Mergos and trying to kill everybody, right? Why aren't you more concerned? A year ago, you was running in my room calling me all out my name, all types of cowards and whatnot. She better be burned at the stake and you ain't saying nothing. Gwen noticing Morgana has smirked before she noticed Morgana smirked uh, some episodes before this, she saw Morgana using magic, I think, for evil, and was she told Gaius. Like, more people should have seen that. Uther may have not have seen it, but Arthur certainly should have seen it. And I think about the episode where Merlin shows Arthur that Gwen is under Mer Morgana's control. Why he couldn't do that with Morgana? Now, yes, he's followed Morgana before, and Morgana has seen him, but why he couldn't do that with Morgana? Take Arthur out and follow Morgana and show him that like more people more people should have seen this like more people should have seen that she was not the same person who was sitting here yelling bloody murder because her maiden friend was kidnapped by bandits and now she's gonna die on the stake and you ain't got nothing to say even Uther he although it's more um reasonable that he didn't see it he should have questioned, like, a whole year ago, you was about to lose your mind, and now you sitting here telling me she got magic? Like, she has magic? Arthur has never said anything? Like, more people should have seen this. Um, really quickly, I'm gonna do the knights, and then I'm gonna go on to the next segment. So we have Percival, who comes in around season four, the end, backhand of season four to season five. Let me tell you why I rock with Percival. Percival was rocking with Lancelot. Lancelot is automatically rocking with Arthur and Merlin. But Arthur is like, I'm going to go get my castle back. Who's with me? Percival stood and said, my enemies are your enemies. Your enemies are my enemies. Don't know nothing about Arthur. He could be some stuck up royal, but he sees. And he's like, your enemies are mine. That's why we rock with Percival. That's why we rock with Percival. Uh, Lancelot came in around season one. And then again at season two. And then season four. And then they killed him off in season four. The first, second episode of season four. And then brought him back. But it really wasn't him. And I like Lancelot. I think if you were going to do the whole Lancelot Guinevere. Like they low-key did. It should have been more developed. We should have seen that they had a love affair. Um underdeveloped uh Elian uh which is Gwen's brother which I really rock with <laughs> I think one of the most beautiful things about this show is Elian and Gwen coming up so far we don't really see Elian like that until he becomes a knight but also it's like look at me sis look at you bro look at me bro queen of Camelot knight of the round table of Camelot like look at us look, look at us who would have thought we would have been here? Like, it's beautiful. I hate that they killed him. I also hate that they killed Gwen. Gwen was rocking with Merlin, rocking with Arthur. He was cool. Um, they killed him at the end of the show, and he died thinking that he failed um, Arthur. And it's like, there was no reason to kill him. 
I don't think there was. Now, I could you could argue and say that Lancelot had to go. Honestly, if I had to surrogate, like, replace who Lancelot would have gotten, like, Lancelot lived and then somebody else had to die, Leon. Not that I don't like Leon, but he could have gone and I wouldn't have cared as much. Um, who else? Another knight, another random knight could have gone in place of Elian. Like, we did not have to kill Elian. We did not. And I hate it. Um, that's pretty much the round table. One final thing I will say about the show before moving on. I love this show. 8 out of 10. I just wish it had been more developed, especially with consistency and with characters and with romance, particularly with um, Gwen and Lancelot and especially with Gwen and Arthur. And even with um, Gwen and um, Elian, seeing more of a sibling relationship with that. Seeing Gwen as queen more often um, because by the end of the show, we see her as queen regent. She, she gets to rule Camelot now. Um, she's the one who makes magic a safe, uh, Camelot a safe place for magic again. Um, we also see that Merlin is immortal, apparently. And it's like, all these times you had all these near-death experiences and now you're kicking it in modern times, waiting for Arthur to rise. Like, anyway, I wish it had been more consistent. I wish relationships had been more built up. Um, I hate the fan base with a core, especially those that ship Arthur and Merlin, because they demonize Gwen. Now, two episodes, uh, you have an episode where Morgana has worked her magic on Mer uh, Merlin, and he becomes an assassin trying to kill um, Arthur, and Gwen and Gaius stop him before he eventually stops Morgana and breaks the spell. Two episodes later, Morgana works her magic on Gwen with fake Lancelot, and so Lan uh, Gwen quote-unquote cheats, and it's Gwen's fault. Like, but we not blaming Merlin two episodes ago when he was trying to kill Arthur and hurt Arthur. Like, I hate this fan base. Arwen for life. Merthyr fans suck. Um, the whole ship of Merthyr sucks. Not on, not on some homo, uh, not on some hate hate stuff, I promise. But it just, it sucks. It sucks. It's not there. Um, and I hate the fan base because it's high-key racist. And with that, let's kick it into our next segment, College Advice from a Senior in College, where I, as a senior in college, give my commentary. Well, I, as a senior in college, give a helpful tip, a hopeful helpful tip um, that helped me in the hopes that it helps you. Today's tip befriending your advisors now at the college that i'm at now one of my professors is my advisors we're a small department within our college so that is just how it is and that's really helpful to me because we already have a good relationship um but when i was at the other college that i was at i also had a really good advisor he was emailing me before i could even email him talking about hey Let's, let's have a meeting. Here's my calendar. Pick out the best date. Let's go. But also, I would have a lot of classmates talk about, man, my my advisor is not talking to me. They're not telling me anything. They need to be talking to me. And it's like, why aren't you talking to them? Now, again, my advisor was great. Um, but I know there are a lot of advisors who will sit there and wait for you as the student to contact them just to show how much of an adult you can be, which on one hand it's like yeah yeah you should be but also on the other hand it's like you are a student and possibly a freshman at that so you're in a new environment and that's just one more thing to add on to it and that sucks right so my advice would be to befriend your advisors um get on these people nerves if you have to well don't get on their nerves because that would be counterproductive but you know have a good standing relationship with them so if you have any problems that your professors can't answer or students can't answer or you know you just have any kind of questions about classes when the drop classes um what kind of classes to take graduation especially graduation you can go to them and be like hey yo i need your help with something um here's my available time like get in good standing with your advisors even if you have to change advisors because your advisor sucks so much do it in a way that they don't know, and I know it sucks you have to play a game, but most times do it in a way that it's like they don't know you thinking about going to another advisor or even talk to a professor about that, you know, or 
another advisor, people in the advising building, get in good standing relationships with them. I promise you, it will help you out so much more. Um, same with teachers, getting a good standing relationship with your professors. Uh, don't let people calling you a um, teacher's pet get to you anymore. Get in a good standing relationship with your professors and your advisors. I promise you it would help you out so much in regards to classes, what to take, when to drop, graduation, or any type of thing like that that you might have questions on, finances, any of that. Get in a good standing relationship with these people. It will help you out so much. And with that, that's Kaya's com- That's um, a little college tip that I have. Hopefully helpful to you. It would help me. Um, if you have to experiment and play around, by all means, do that. That's what college is for. This is something that helped me, and I hope it helps someone else out there. With that, that's a little college tip. And that's Kaya's Commentary Season 1. I just want to take a minute to do some self-appreciation this show um came about because i didn't want to be done with raven review um i did also didn't want to do a podcast alone which is how raven review partially came about but when we had to end it and i didn't want to stop doing a podcast i made a goal to do a 10 episode podcast on my own channel by myself and i did it i set a goal and i did it and i am I'm really proud of myself for not giving up. Um, thank you to those who have made it this far, who have turned tuned in every week, audio and video. I really appreciate it. Please keep it up. Um, views, likes, comments, uh, my social pages, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all of that. I will still try to be posting on my socials, even if I'm not currently dropping new episodes i hope to come back with a season two it will depend on schedule as i am about to graduate so stuff is about to get crazy for me but i'm really proud of myself for making it this far thank you for those who have made it this far with me with that that's kaya's commentary season one see you next time